Ugh, tired again this week. Guess what? It was a dream demon. Oh, but I beat him with five-star reviews and reviews that people have written and other things that you know about. What do you know about? Facebook groups and Instagram. Yep, join them. Right, let's get out to it. Great psychopaths. Yeah, we're we're in. It's the September sleepover. Why did we watch this last film there? Welcome to Creative Psychopaths, a horror movie podcast and the world's premier kitchen for horror sandwiches. What is a horror sandwich? I hear you shout, demand and get very angry about because you don't know what it is. Well, let me tell you, it's a lovely horror movie filling surrounded by two slices of yummy, delicious, chatty goodness. My name's Mark and as always, I'm joined by Matthew. Hello. Howdy. Howdy. How are you this week? Kicking ass. I'm feeling fresh. Oh, I like that. Have you used some of that minty shower gel? You know, the one that makes you feel a bit... Ooh. Oh, no, that's too, that's too, uh, too intense for me. I have to go for the uh, the coconut and like shea butter one. Wow, that sounds sounds lovely. Um, this week, I promised you all a guest. Well, I promised you Peter from the Movie Joe podcast. And promises have been delivered because he's here with us. Say hello. Hello there. Hello there. General Kenobi. (laughs) I like it. Um, How are you this week? I'm doing very well, thank you very much. I've had three cups of coffee, four Red Bulls, and five of your squashes just to stay awake for this podcast. (laughs) I'm going to take that as a commentary on the film, not that we put people to sleep. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, we of course are uh, <laughs> uh, maybe a treat. We're something. Um, oh yeah, you're worth staying up for, definitely. Oh, that's nice. Um, <laughs> well, hopefully we won't horse around too much. Uh, I said horse around like it was a pun for something then, but it wasn't. Uh, just didn't mean anything. Still, um, what have I got to tell you this week? Oh well. This is something that Matthew knows about. I don't know whether I gave him the full review, but um, I took my son to see his sort of first horror movie. Not really, but um, we I took my son to see the original Jurassic Park. Oh, fantastic. Um, yeah, yeah. And I'm pleased to tell you that he was suitably scared by it. <laughs> um, I mean, he, he he's slightly under the sort of, what is it? They call it twelve A when they, you're all right with an adult, um, but he really enjoyed. He really seemed to enjoy it, and as I say, he was so suitably scared, certainly by the T Rex attack. Um, but I managed to get him to stay in the cinema by saying, "Well, don't worry, the T Rex is like the hero in the end," which is sort of true, but not really. T Rex <laughs> face turn at the end, yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah, he comes stomping in <laughs> with his. Uh, I was going to sing Hulk Hogan's music, but I forgot what it was. And then Real American. That's as far as I'm going to get with it. I think I was thinking of the. When it comes crashing down and it hurts inside. Yeah. 
Gotta be a man, it don't help to hide. Right, okay, forget that. Yeah, that's more than enough Hulk Hogan for, for anyone, really, the prick. But <laughs> Good music, though. Good good opening, good entrance music for that lad. Yeah, uh, bad fella. Didn't deserve it. No. Well, I think I was thinking of the big boss man originally, though. Um, I, I forgot what this was now. I think it's, do some hard time. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's it. We've we've got into wrestling chat. We've done Jurassic Park. We've had a little bit of wrestling theme songs. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say now that there is uh, a wrestlers horror movie, uh, wrestlers versus zombies. I'm sure of it. Um, yes, we're, we're gonna have to cover this just so that we can. Uh... I think there's also WrestleManiac. Um, Ooh, yeah. It just got a, a masks like luchador in it, as far as I know. Oh, um, that was uh, we we had that before as one of the worst films, did haven't we? Oh, did we? I can't remember. Um, we did it was on the uh, I saw the devil episode. Oh wow, WrestleManiac! I still want to see it though. Um, <laughs> let's see. Well, I forgot to do a sleepover game, so let's just do favourite wrestling theme and, and, and do that. So what's your favourite wrestling theme? Entrance music. Oh. It's guessing. Mm. Mm. That's, that's properly putting us on the spot there, isn't it? Well, in modern times, it's Bobby Roode, glorious. Oh, yeah. Very good. That's a cracker. There's a lot of good ones, though, recently. Nakamura. His was good. Um, proper old school. It's got to be the Ultimate Warrior, surely. Does uh, exactly what it says on the tin. Yeah, yeah. You knew where you were when the Warriors music hit. Mm. Yeah. When that hit at the end of WrestleMania Eight, when uh, Papa Shango had invaded the main event, is just a classic moment. That's that's probably my favourite WrestleMania moment. That. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think I'm going to go with. Uh, cult of personality from uh, CM Punk. Oh yes, I was I was there for as what is at the time probably his last ever match, and that was it was a pretty uh, pretty great uh, hearing that ring out through Wembley. Wow, yeah, that is impressive. Uh, I think it, I think as theme music goes, it'd have to be Stone Cold for me because once that glass hits, you know where you are. Mm. I don't. I'm going to throw in an obscure one as well. I, I really loved, and and you'll get the, you have to get this on YouTube, everyone. But the uh, the the theme music for Yoshitatsu, yes, from around like 2008. That was that was fun. I, I love that one. It was like it was from some kind of Final Fantasy game or something, if I remember right. Yeah, it was from like a you know, like a Japanese kids TV show kind mm. of song. <laughs> it was a hoot. Big fan. I remember I always really liked JBL's music, even though it just sounds like a new show. <laughs> it was um, like a like a Dallas type thing, wasn't it? Like a diddle diddle dynasty. Anyway, oh, well, yeah. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go really obscure and go with um, or put to you, uh, X Factor by Uncle Cracker. <laughs> wow, Uncle Cracker. I wonder yeah. if essentially though the best one is. Um, and a Sandman for the Sandman. 
I mean, <laughs> mind you, didn't yeah, you? I think it's like a separate category, isn't it? Using like proper music for yeah, that's true. Because Hulk Hogan had Voodoo Child for a while. He did, yeah. yeah that was it was weird, wasn't it? Off brand for him being that Jimi Hendrix was a black guy. Right. Okay. Well, on that, let's move into our first slice of lovely bread. Delicious. Not talking about racist spread. Uh, unless we are. I don't know. Hang on. Let me just check my list. Um, I don't think there's any in there. No, we should be good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, why don't we? Why don't we start with the one that I've just sprung on you, which is uh, best opening. Uh-oh. My first instinct of being put on the spot would have to be Scream, which I'm sure you've probably had before. I think that's, um, that is what I said for it. I'm, I'm fairly sure. I think we uh, both said that, um, or unless I chose something different just to be different. But, um, but I actually, I would probably say Hellraiser, the original. Oh right, yeah, yeah, that because, is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it it really sort of sets up the horror of that film because then you don't get anything for the next sort of what's up twenty minutes or so of the film. Um, Maybe even a little bit longer than that. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to think at the point that sort of um, Uncle Frank comes out of the floorboards, but yeah, that's definitely uh, a memorable opening. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it gives you a little bit of what you're getting, and then it goes, mm. and then it it doesn't give you anything. Yeah, yeah. No, you. That's a good, good shout. Um. <laughs> so let's see. Best soundtrack. When I went through, I wasn't quite sure about this question. Um, I didn't know if it would be sort of popular soundtrack or score, so I went for both. Um, we like that. We like hearing both. Yeah. So for score, um, I would say uh, John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness, which I think I mentioned last time I was here for one mm. of the best, I think it was Best Kill, I think. Um, but it's, it, I mean, it's typical John Carpenter. It's, it's a very sort of synthy score. Yeah. Um, but it's very memorable. It's something I've, I've listened to just, you know, in the car doing housework and, and stuff like that. But it's, it's quite a memorable sort of dark grungy kind of horror score and definitely worth a listen yeah and definitely yeah. worth a look because i don't think either of you've seen prince of darkness have you no i remember i added it to my list last time well it is it's on my watch list um and it's on the studio canal um mm-hmm. channel at the moment so uh and for best sort of popular soundtrack i've gone for from dusk till dawn Nice. Which isn't yeah. necessarily typically my kind of of music, I would say, but it's one of those soundtracks that just completely fits a film. And uh, you've got sort of Dark Knight, which sort of opens it, and then you've got uh, After Dark, which is the song that plays um, during Salma Hayek's uh, dance scene which is just completely mesmerizing and fits totally with what you're seeing on the screen. Oh yeah, I remember that being I remember that being good. I can't Now you say it though, I can't pick out any of the songs in my head, which is frustrating, but I haven't seen that movie in a long time. 
they're all sort of bikery, sort of Mexican-y type sort of rock music. So it, it sort of totally sort of fits the bill for that film. Yeah, it's good yeah, stuff. Yeah, I think I think that's that's my thinking because I'm struggling to think of any particular one piece of music for it. But as soon as you said it, like the vibe, mm. the, the the whole thing just like right there, you know, in front of you. It's just I re- I remember that vividly, but I couldn't actually pinpoint any of the songs just off the top of my head. It's what you want, though, isn't it? That's you want the music to represent the film, so even though you can't yeah. pick it out, it yeah, good stuff. <laughs> uh, what have they got left? Uh, best antagonist slash protagonist, or both? If you've got both, do yes, definitely. Um, well, this was something that I talked about um, on an upcoming episode uh, of of my guest. Um, uh, a sort of guest episode uh, called Quick Draw on Movie Draw, which uh, Matthew took part in quite recently. So we talked about um, best protagonist in a horror film. Oh. Um, and uh, my choice for that was uh, Damien Karras from The Exorcist. Oh, of course. Absolutely. Because I think you know, it's, it's, it's a fantastic performance from Jason Miller, who I recently found out is the uh, father of... Um, uh, the guy from the Lost Boys—I can't remember his name—completely escapes me now. He was in Speed Two as well. I really thought you were going to say Sienna Miller for a second. Then I was no. about to be very surprised. Jason Patrick—is that his name? Really? In Lost Boys, he's the one who gets bitten, and yeah, he's he's the. Well, I would probably say the the lead out of them. Uh, yeah. But yeah, Dam- Damien Harris, I think he's just got such a fascinating art during that film and he's somebody that you can get behind. He's, you know, if you're not a religious person, you can understand why he has the doubts that he has about his, his faith and you can go along with his story. It's not just the priest who out and out believes in God and everything good. He's somebody to get on board with despite the fact that he's a priest. And and yeah, it just carries you through that film, and you're with him for the fight, basically. Hmm. Yeah. So I mean, that's. that's I don't. I don't want to spoil the uh, the upcoming episode because we want to drive as many people to it as we can. But uh, as I said, there you know the the film it lives and dies by by that character, doesn't it? Because if it's if he doesn't have that crisis of faith and if you can't sell that to the audience yeah well i mean the film you know, falls apart doesn't it? it's just a spooky haunted girl the, the biggest not... problem the biggest problem i've had with the the exorcist is exorcist believer the new film and they've uh, released a, the upcoming one yeah david gordon green film they've released two trailers for it and none of the trailers apart from a couple of fleeting glimpses seem to sort of have a priest in it. So mm. it's not really an exorcist, it's more of a possession thing than, you know, the, the the exorcist is more of a story about the exorcists in the film than it is necessarily the, or it, it's certainly, you know, 50-50 about the priest and the girl who's possessed. Whereas, 
you know, everything, most of, of what's come since then is more about possession than it is The Exorcist. And the film's called The Exorcist. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess that's what people forget, isn't it? That that, mm. that film is about what the title is rather than, you know... Scary you know how, many, how many films have we had about possession that just sort of pass you by that they're not not necessarily uh bad or anything but that, that they don't leave you know a lasting impression they don't elevate mm. it and and that's why because reagan for how you know how good a character she is that there's nothing if there's nothing to work off no and and the fact that her you know she she's just She's just the tool of the your know, Pazuzu, isn't she? So the fact that everything is centered around Karis in terms of what makes the film interesting it is yeah. why he's he's such a great character. Why he has to be such a you know a strong performance from it. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think we're going to try and cover um, the Exorcist this year because it's. It's got a birthday, isn't it? Is it 50 years old now? It's 50 years. It's back wow. in cinemas, so we're going to try and get it covered around around the same time to tie it in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it came out on a Boxing Day on the year it came out, um, which is fun. <laughs> good good wow. timing. A bit of Christmas film. Very festive. Um, but yeah, my, my, sorry. Did you say antagonist? Or... <laughs> antagonist is... It's... Briefly mentioned before, uh, Hellraiser Pinhead. All oh, right, He's just fantastic. I just the look of Pinhead is just amazing. He has some great one-liners. Uh, he, you know, he did sort of go the way of Freddy, as I'm sure we'll sort of probably touch on a bit later, um, and and sort of had some one-liners in the later um, installments of Hellraiser, but. He was always, even in the, you know, the straight to video films, um, he was always still the best part of, of those films. And just, you know, just sort of very um, well-spoken and very British. Yeah, yeah, I know what you and mean. completely fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> well, although I'm pretty sure in Hell World, Lance Hendrickson was the best bit of that film. Um, but but there was the best bit of that film. Well, there wasn't a lot of pinhead in that one, was there? He just sort of showed up and went, <laughs> you, "You're you're stuck in a saw style trap." I don't know why. <laughs> I'll leave. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but um, no, you're right. He's good, good character. Did you like the um? Female version in the in the new one, or have you not got around to it yet? I did, yes. I thought it was the best part of that film. I didn't hate the reimagining. I thought it was it was good for what it was, but they turned it more into a slasher. Um, and I think um, Hellraiser at its best is about desire, which that film wasn't really. Um and you know the first the first two, well the first four really they all sort of deal with that desire in different ways. Um, but 
it was just an excuse to sort of off um, young people or youngish people um, in yeah. weird and wonderful ways. And it looked good. It looked really good. And I thought um, uh, Jamie, um, did Jamie Clayton, who played Pinhead, I thought uh, thought she was fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah, good. I'm glad. I think I quite liked that film, but mostly because some of the other Cenobites got a bit of a look in. Yeah, um, definitely. Which was nice, because that was the one thing to most Hellraiser had problems with. It showed you these really interesting Cenobites, but you didn't get a lot of... You didn't get a lot from them. But, yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that just brings us back round to... Background? I don't know why I said that. Um, it brings us to... Best remake, right? Uh, I would say. I mean, I there isn't any more questions than that. Is I'm sure it's best remake that's that's left. Yeah, I love this one. I must admit. Go on. I'm always a bit um a bit sort of fuddy duddy about this because I know a lot of people say the thing, and I don't class the thing as a remake. So I'm being very pedantic about that because I think it's more of a reimagining or a retelling of the original source. But for me, I would say um, Invasion of the Body Snatchers from 1978 yeah. is the best remake because it it does something different. I mean, the original is a classic. It is an absolute classic and it's of its time and it tells the story in its time um, you know, obviously with the subtext about um, communism and all that sort of stuff. Um, so the 78 version just takes that premise and tells its own story, but within that sort of the, the confines of the original. And it is just terrifying as well. Probably the most, one of the most terrifying endings in horror. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that... Um... Donald Sutherland screaming <laughs> at the screen is um yeah yeah as, well as we know from 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 my last choice of kill list uh, on here uh, I do like a bleak ending yeah <laughs> <laughs> that one that one is very bleak um yeah. it's a good movie that I'm surprised they haven't got around to trying to remake that again um not that well, we want not that we wanted them to. They did. Was it two thousand about two thousand and six, I think, there was one a movie called Invasion with oh, really? uh Daniel Craig and Nicole Kidman, which was it was all right, but it was nothing not a patch on. I would recommend to, uh, seeking out um I think it's just called Body Snatchers by Abel Ferreira, who made Bad Lieutenant. Uh, that was around 1990, 91, something like that. That's quite interesting because it does tell the story uh, a lot more different. It's it's sort of set on an air force base and and, right. and doesn't doesn't sort of go as as broad as um, as uh, you know the the fifties and the seventies version. Got Boris Whitaker in it. Mm. Mm, I'll give that a look. I'll look that up. Matthew and I are going to see Donald Sutherland in Don't Look Now this year um, at the cinemas, which will be fun. Yes, um, I looked at that. Is that the Evolution of Horror showing? It is, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I looked at that, but um, 
I couldn't get the time off to to go. Yeah, I just happened to be off work, so yeah. Um, <laughs> good stuff. Yeah, I'm looking forward. Have you seen Don't Look Now yet, Matthew? Or is it? Will this be a first viewing? No, I'm, I've saved myself for this. Wow. Oh, uh, you are in for a treat. Yeah, I know. It's it's on the the list, the the, the ever growing list. Uh, and it's very nice to know that it's just it's there, set in stone, that we can just. You can just ignore it from the list until then and <laughs> just focus on the other 3,000 or so films that are there instead. Lovely. Yeah. Uh, I was just wondering what else Donald Sutherland has done. And I, th- I thought that he was in that film with a hand, but that might be Michael Caine. He was in that one episode of The Simpsons with uh, Jebediah Springfield's secret. <laughs> he one. is. Where's the five? Two, give me the five. <laughs> you're banned. And your children. And your children. His children for three months. <laughs> uh, he was in those Hunger Games films as well, wasn't he? He was. They're, they're not just, uh, particularly horror. I just wondered if he was in any other um, horror movies, but I don't suppose he was. He was in, um, is it a haunt? Oh, God, what's it called? He was in like a, a sort of. Um, he was in uh, Mr. What? Harrigan's Form last year, which I hated. <laughs> Well, you didn't like it, but I thought it was all right. So, yeah. I think, I think he was in, I think it's called An American Haunting or something like that. It was very much sort of American, sort of pilgrimy type. Oh, area. he was in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Well, of course he was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, that's all that I care about now. Um, <laughs> right. Lovely. Well, this isn't a Donald Sutherland podcast. It's a horror movie podcast, so let's talk about a horror movie. So, get into the filling, the lovely, delicious, delightful filling. Um, although before that, actually, we'll say it, that's the first time we've had Invasion of the Body Snatchers, so uh, I, I'm glad to hear another another remake that's uh, new to... Not new to me, but you know what I mean. A new answer to the question. There you go. Thanks very much. Um, so, the lovely filling... It's the September sleepover. We're doing Freddy's Dead. In it. <laughs> it's got an actual name. Should have written it down. The Final Nightmare, isn't it? Freddy's yeah. Dead, The Final Nightmare. Thank you very much. I shouldn't have said that as a question, shouldn't I? It just completely undermines any authority that I might have for the rest of this. Yeah, well... I've, I've seen the film, I promise. <laughs> so... Um, I don't have much to talk about before we go into this. Um, in fact, I don't have anything. So lovely. Uh, so this one was directed by Rachel Talele, I want to say, and uh, as a cast of, of course, Robert Englund again as Freddy Krueger, um, Lisa Zane as Maggie Burrows. Uh, Leslie Dean as Tracy Swan, Sean Greenblatt as John Doe, Reckon Meyer as Spencer Lewis, Ricky Dean Logan as Carlos, and Yafak Koto as Doc. Also stars later on Alice Cooper as um, Freddy Krueger's dad, and Roseanne Barr and Tom Arnold get, get elbowed in as well. Oh, we did talk about racists again. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. 
<laughs> well, you see, it always comes full circle. I, I don't know what that means. Um, of course, this movie um, tried to grab a little bit onto the 3D horns. Um, and the back end of the film is in 3D. Um, but of course, we didn't get to see it that way. But I do remember when I was younger, um, my sister had been to see it at the cinema and she came home with the Freddy's Dead uh, 3D gla- glasses. Um, I I remember the adverts for it when I was younger, definitely. Mm. So, yeah. Um, let's dig into it then. I mean, it's been well, a... Let's start at the beginning uh, because after two films... Of not having it, I, I I was thoroughly delighted that we had the return of the shit word art. <laughs> it's about damn time. Yeah, how dare you? Yeah, um... impact font, <laughs> just black on uh, red on black. Yeah, this is this is about it. damn time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm glad because the last two have had it, have had the, have had it, have had the title being slashed into the screen, and it's like, uh, you know, like you say, how dare you come up with such fantabulous things? We want crap word art, uh, or yeah, do that, we? That's we actually for me that? for the episode. So I'll see you, see you for the last slice of bread. All right, okay. <laughs> He's exited the room, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> He's got an elevator in his house. He's going down in it. Ugh, don't press all the buttons in a weird order. Reference to a film. You can't watch see underneath the desk. I am doing the elevator thing, and mm. oh, now I'm taking the stairs. Now I'm rowing a canoe. All right. Well, that's even funnier since your camera's not on. Um... <laughs> I work great in an audio format, don't I? No, yeah, you do. Uh, I think everyone at home was imagining you imagining you do that, and now they're laughing and other things. I don't know. It's going to be a bit a bit of a nightmare. This podcast, really, isn't it at the moment? It's, I, 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 I can't concentrate on what I'm doing. Matthew's busy pretending he's up and down in an elevator. He is holding us together. He's the glue here. Um. <laughs> Because we're dueling with each other. Ah, I see. Mm-hmm. I don't really think that works. Um, <laughs> plugs your podcast, doesn't it? It does, yeah. So, the Movie Duel podcast, yeah. yeah. Oh, the Movie Duel podcast, available at all good places, I imagine. Mm. Yeah. Right, well, let's dig into this properly. So, it's a bit of a fucking mess, isn't it, this film? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like, they didn't... I don't think they... Jumped the shark on this. They sort of scaled about three Jason Statham-sized megalodons. <laughs> they to did make this film. They did. There was moments in this film that I had to rewind it because I was sure that I'd missed something or it had jumped. <laughs> um, because it 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 feels like it it has moments where it goes. Oh, remember that linking back to that bit that we did before and he goes well, what bit that you did before it's not wasn't in there it's uh it, so that was frustrating um to spend even less time and we, we we spoke last week me and matthew talked last week about how little time they spent with the group of uh 
teens or whatever, introducing who they are. This time they spent even, it felt like they spent even less time. You just walked into a room and went, that one's deaf, that one's a stoner, this one like fighting. Um, <laughs> one doesn't know who he is. Go! Yeah. Well, it uh, seems like they, they tried to sort of retread the, the Dream Warriors. Yeah, uh, for sure. And, but it just makes no sense because it, it the impression I got was it's, it was some kind of homeless shelter, but there's one of them who's been put in there by his dad. Yeah. Because he's a bit of a waster. And then one who's obviously been abused and one who's deaf. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The thing and the thing with that the, the stoner kid is oh don't forget he was playing a video game right at the beginning don't forget <laughs> oh, yeah. oh I didn't really remember about that well don't forget yeah. um so what did you think Matthew going into this because I know sequels what? sequels wise you haven't really um this is as far in as you've got really isn't it apart from maybe Saw um so this will be you. Yeah. yeah, well, there's six screen films now, isn't there? I've got, I've got all them. So oh, you've got, all, you've got all them. You've got all the saws. But I think with these eighties, no, saws one that I, I've, I've bookended. So I missed a big chunk of the middle out. Oh right. Oh. Uh, so the first few, uh, and then then missed a lot, and then like the last couple. Uh, oh. Well, you know what? I I like this film. Did you really? I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everything that you're saying is completely fair, but I I still liked it. And can we remove him from the chat? <laughs> that a possibility? That's a that's a surprise. I would <laughs> I was really expecting you to say that you didn't like it. Um, I, I'm curious. I'm curious. Let's let's hear let's hear about it. <laughs> so there's there's a few things that I. I I liked about it. I think there was uh, what one were uh, the the opening with the sort of eighties text video game thing. You know, Freddy's basically one. Uh, yeah, I thought that was yeah. quite an interesting sort of way to start it. Uh huh. And then when they they got to Springwood, I thought it was uh, underdeveloped, but. Like, I really liked how the town was this ghost town devoid of kids and the adults were like sort of trying to grab hold of this kids because of what they're missing, but also know what's coming as a result. Just uh, move. Well, well yeah. Just <laughs> move somewhere else where you, you can have children. Don't stay where you can't have children. Oh, I miss if we're going children. for logic with these films, we'd have, we'd have, Fallen down like three movies ago, so I'm I'm willing to uh, to uh, to write that one off. But yeah, I thought that you know, that was you know quite a nice little touch and the way that Freddie sort of you know controlled the, like the town as a as a whole with the way that he you know was getting the van lost and stuff. I thought that was you know uh, part and parcel of his vague undefined power set, which again carries on with this one. <laughs> Uh, then I thought there was like a, it was kind of like a nice blend of a lot of the stuff that, that had come before in the series. Like there was some pretty obvious attempts that they were just trying to 
retread and do like a greatest hit sort of thing. But there was some of the kills were like the one with uh, with the death uh, guy and and the way that he was messing with his hearing. That that had a nasty streak which we hadn't really seen since the first film. Yeah, and then the whole video game. Bit. I mean, most of it was was dreadful to look at, and that. But there was some of it was was quite quite good, and it was sort of harking back to to the comic book one, which I also liked, which apparently nobody else does in the last one. And <laughs> um, yeah, I just think it 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 told that line. I thought between daft and you know quite serious horror. With, and you know, he didn't always get it right. And when it did, I thought it was, it was you know, fun and interesting. And I think even for the, for the low point of the series, uh, it's still, it's still much better than most low points in in these franchises. Fair enough. Well... <laughs> and the thing, the, the, I sort of, you know, there was there was actually a few different things about this that I liked. Not much of it is what you said, but but I enjoyed most of the Freddy stuff. I thought that was fine, uh, especially especially since they sort of leaned a bit more into a sort of comedy element with him, which was fine by me. I quite enjoyed right at the beginning when he's the Wicked Witch. And then later on in the movie, when he's doing a wily coyote bit and pushing a bed of springs, and the way he's pushing it in a comedy manner, I quite like that too. And uh, like you say, the deaf guy's death is is pretty good. Um, I'm not sure how loud sound sound makes your head go pop, but it does. Um, <laughs> but. I think overall the thing that sort of bugged me is some of the acting's a bit janky. Um, and, I mean, not that it's been amazing throughout the series. Um, but as I say, the thing that really threw me is the fact that the, the, the plot of the movie seems to be all over the place and it doesn't... Half of the time it doesn't seem to make any sense like what it's trying to accomplish... Um, all I know with this film is they, they thought because five hadn't done as well as four, they thought, well, the only way to draw people back into the cinema is to kill Freddy off. Um, which I is... think that there is a, a basic plot in this film, which is quite simple and straightforward and, and it does get it across eventually, but it's, bogged down by a lot of mess and a lot of faff that don't need to be there. Yes. Yeah. You know, I... Basically, Freddy's motivated by, you know, his daughter taking away. That's why he's going after kids, even though that doesn't entirely stack up when you look at the rest of the films. And uh, and he's using that to, to travel and take over towns elsewhere, which you, you kind of think, why? Why is he limited to to one town when he has these dream powers that are seemingly limitless? But you know, there's a there's a mess around it, but there's a pretty straightforward plot that 
that cuts through eventually. You just have to, which you shouldn't have to do, but you, you just have to sort of tune those bits out and, and dig it out for yourself. But I think that's the biggest, uh, to me, that's the biggest problem with the film because it doesn't stick to what it wants to do because, and I'll agree with you, I think, uh, you know, the whole Springwood sort of storyline and the fact that there's no children left and he's got to get more people, more kids into the town and all that sort of stuff is probably the most interesting part of the film. But it's only about, it's only the first half film really it's it's not if they would have stuck with that story for the rest of the film because once he kills off a couple of them they're back at the shelter to to go into 3d freddy world and it's just so the, the storyline is just so janky and just all over the place and I'm going to have to disagree about the comedy elements of it because I don't think they hit. I think it is like somebody who thinks they're funny and aren't and just continues to try and be funny. I thought, hey. I think you can, you can make Freddy have the sort of pop culture references, but you can still keep him grounded as being you know an antagonist and I don't think he really comes across as much of an antagonist in this film at all he's a yeah. cartoon character yeah I can sort of see your point there um, there is no I mean I'll agree about the, the, Carlos's death death is probably the best part of this film it's the best kill in this film for definite yeah yeah, it's the one that makes most sense. It harkens back to some of the earlier films. It's something that wouldn't be out of place in in Dream Warriors, um, or even you know um, Dream Master. It's 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 there, but it just doesn't hit right for me. I I kind of get what they were trying to do, and and I'm like you, Mark. I'm a big fan of the never sleep again documentary and i've watched that two or three times and and they talk about how they were inspired by twin peaks david lynch and although you can see it very minimally yeah they don't they don't hit that kind of um lynchian comedy at all no. It's trying to be too clever. Yeah, you're probably right, and I think I think that's the thing I don't like about it. Well, what I don't like about it is it's not sticking to what the formula is. You wait, surprisingly, you wait thirty minutes for Carlos's death, mm -hmm. which is a long time into a Nightmare on Elm Street film to have your first kill. Um, you know, I mean, it's actually very light on killing. Overall, isn't it? There's very few deaths in this. It is, you know. And as Nightmare Elm Street films go, we know what the we know what the thing is. You kill everybody until you get to the last one, and then she survives. You know. And while that is basic, it is what you're sort of going in there for. You're going in to watch Freddy do fun things to stupid mm. people, you know. Whereas, you know. But then I think it's are we are we telling the story of? 
Springwood being deserted and then being no children left, or are we telling the story of uh, Freddie's long lost daughter? That's that's where it starts to get sort of yeah, marred, right. and and I think if they'd have just stuck with that sort of story of of Springwood being deserted and Freddie having lost his his victims, almost it it would have made for a better film, definitely. Yeah. And I think that there's the problem with this film as well is something that's crept up a few times in the franchise when when the first one just just got it completely right and that they've they've just done too much with Freddy. Like I don't need to know about his family life. I just need to know that he was a you know, a child murderer escaped uh, legal justice so was was killed by a vigilante mob and he's coming after him, you know. One character got all that across in the first film and it was enough. And mm-hmm. we were following it since and every now and again they just keep trying to they give all these extra bits for Freddy. It's just like it's so unnecessary at this point. And I think that's where that's where for me like the uh, while I, I liked that they they had a go for it and they tried to do this sort of extra layer for it, it's it was so unnecessary that I don't know if they could have made it work at all, even if they you know they did do it better. Yeah, yeah, um. Well, I don't know how much more we can really say about this, aside from, I suppose, we should talk about the 3D part, which, um, <laughs> I mean, I, uh, the, the one thing I do I, I like about the 3D part, even though it's really, really stupid, I do like the, the fact that they go, that they go, this is when you put your glasses on, <laughs> which, is, <laughs> which is fine by me. No, even though it's a plot device, it's stupid when the guy goes, here, take these with you. And he goes, what? Well, in there, there can be anything you want, okay? <laughs> Give me a bat or a gun. No. Or the end credits. 3D glasses, that's what you need. Um, And I quite, I, I quite like that bit. The, the only thing that really bugs me is that um, you're obviously playing with the 3D and you see the woman looking at her hands, which is fine, but then then they cut around to her looking at her hands from a different yeah. angle, and it's like, what are you doing? You've seen your hands. <laughs> oh, weird hands. Absolutely. Which is funny. You know, that's unintentionally funny, but it was funny. Um, and then they go into like an MTV video, like a this weird video thing with the demon sperms. Um which was all fine. I didn't mind some of that 3D stuff. And then, you know, later on again when they're toying with it. But again, it's like it works where she's got a bat and she holds it sort of towards the camera and you go, all right, I can see it. I can see how that would work. You know, and I understand if they're doing 3D, they have to do stuff that, that does that stuff. But um, it's so weird how when you drop it into a 2D, how stupid it looks. Um, but as I remember, I don't think the 3D were that well. Anyway. Well, I mean, it's not it, essentially. It's not even the best sort of death for Freddy out of the whole series, considering it's meant to be 
the final Friday. Oh, it's a fit. Friday? Final nightmare. Sorry, well, I'm getting, uh, I'm getting my franchises mixed up. It's a bit like the original film where when they pull him out of the dream, he's just a he's just a jerk with burned body and they, she basically kicks his ass just like Nancy does. But then what's um, going on I mean, with it? What's going on with the makeup in this one? Because he looks like a bit of sort of ham from a theory lunchable. <laughs> it just looks terrible. <laughs> uh, Billy Bear meat. I mean, with the death in this one, you know, at least it worked. He's not come back since. No, true. Yeah, you know, as he comes back in Freddy versus Chase. <laughs> Shots. That's separate canon. I'm not having that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um. Well, do you have anything else you more you want to say about it? Um, before we very quickly, uh, criminal underuse of Yafe Koto because he's great and. Deserves better. Yeah, but he's a he's a doctor working in a homeless shelter who specialises in dreams. Slash troubled youths and, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and and other assorted people yeah, we need he's... just to gather together so we've got a cast of characters. Mm. He was exactly like what I was talking about with the plot though, where they were going, right, he's a dream guy. Remember him for later. Alright, okay. I mean as as much as I think this film isn't as funny as it tries to be, there is one part that always makes me laugh, which is uh, Carlos in the back of the van going through the endless maps, and it finally comes up and says, you're fucked. <laughs> and then uh, he turns and says, the map says we're fucked. <laughs> that was a good bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh... And oh, another point, actually, how little of this film is set at night, considering it's a nightmare film. Yeah. I think the start, and that's about it. Yeah. The... Everything else is broad, is broad daylight. Yeah. I never even <laughs> noticed, really. Um, I was too busy being annoyed by it, really. <laughs> Uh, so well, let's get into the reviews then. So over the September sleepover, we we're, we're just doing what is it? Sleep through it or don't? Do, do we? Yeah, it? do we sleep through it or do you stay awake for it? Thank you. Oh, I might remember that next year, um, or not. Uh, I'd sleep through this one. I think I it, it doesn't do anything for me at all. Well, um, well, I've already said where I'm going with it, but yeah, I just, I just like it. You know, every criticism that has been leveled is fair. It's, it's a mess, like you say, but there's enough there in it just for me to go. Yeah, this is this is fun. I mean, yourself, it's your opinion's completely valid. Wonderful stuff. Peter, what are you doing? Where uh, are you going with it? I'd sleep through this, I'm afraid. Um, maybe with one eye slightly open. Oh, <laughs> a, th- a third option. 
a third sleep. Maybe. I think it's got, it, it does have some very minor good point, points to it. But I suppose they, we could, they could have done so much more with it. I suppose we could ask if, because this is the, really the final movie of this franchise. Yes, there are three more, but this is the final movie within this canon. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you were doing a full rewatch, would you include it or not? Because I think probably I would include it. Yeah. Um Because it is, it does sort of fit within the storyline, doesn't it? So, um, I think I'd still include it in. So, I don't know. Um but as an individual film, I'd say sleep through it. But as part of the setup, um, you know, maybe it's all right. I don't know. Yeah, I think as as part of the franchise, they've tried to do the big wrap up slash greatest hits with it, and you know, it's not it's not worked. Let's let's be brutally honest. But I. I appreciate the, the the swing they took for it, mm. uh, and, I, and I do think that if you, you know, if you're taking this as as a franchise as a whole, it, you know, it, it deserves its place within it. I'd say. I, I think actually, to be fair, I think if this film hadn't have happened, I don't think we would have got New Nightmare. No, I'm looking forward to talking about New Nightmare next uh, next year. Um... New Nightmare's got a lot of precursors for modern mm. modern movies in it, and um, absolutely, yeah, there's a lot of movies owe stuff to New Nightmare. So it'll be it'll be really really interesting to cover it. And if you're interested ahead of schedule, there is uh, a short horror movie out at the moment called Dylan's New Nightmare, which is a sort of fan made sequel to that um, yeah. on YouTube, I believe. I know Brian's watched it. I told him about it, but I didn't watch it. <laughs> what what I would say with with this film as sort of my my last bit of uh, my last two cents is I reckon that this would probably be better received if it wasn't for four and five. Yeah, perhaps because we the the first three films we were all they were all working out what the formula was, weren't they? You know, what one happened, then two was, you know, was different in what that was doing, then three was different again, but then four and five just kind of carried on doing the same thing as three. And whereas this one's, you know, taken a, a mild left turn for, from those, I think if it was the fourth one in the entry, it would probably be more forgivable than than it is. Yeah, maybe you're probably right. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, I think the only thing that this one probably doesn't do that the others have is have a character carry over as well. Oh, yeah. But um, oh well. Let's talk about then. Um, well, I thought we would just quickly, since we've finished this franchise, run down uh, from best to worst where you'd put them. Uh, in your list. Um, does anyone want to go first, or will I? I don't, I, I, I don't mind whatever you want to go for, Mark. <laughs> um, 
Okay, I'll just go first then. So, um, from best to worst, so I'd say Dream Warriors, Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, Freddy, then then Nightmare 2, then 4, 5, 6. Yeah. Although, I'm not... The more I watch the original Nightmare on Elm Street, the less I like it. Um, mostly because Freddy gets trapped like such a dingbat when he gets into the real world, like he gets proper home alone. <laughs> like <laughs> Kevin McAllister would just wipe him out in, in in a single night. It would be so easy for him. Um, <laughs> so that bugs me. And then I remember when we watched it with um, was it Matthew a while ago? The other Matthew, a different Matthew. Um this vague idea about what his power set might be. Um, anyway, I don't need to defend my list. Balls to your list. Yeah. So, whoever next. Peter, you go next. Okay, so I don't think I'm far off what you would pick. I would go original Nightmare on Elm Street uh, as number one. Um, I think it's pretty seminal. I think it's probably the scariest of the six films. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I would say Dream Warriors. Uh, and then Freddy's Revenge. Very closely behind Dream Warriors. I am a big fan of that film. I think it's vastly underrated. Um, and I think actually it was probably the first Nightmare on Elm Street film I saw as well. Um, quite vivid me- memories of that film. Um, and then four, five, six. Yeah, yeah. It, the, the thing with the second one is I didn't enjoy it that much until we got to sit down with Alistair and and see it from his point of view as like this sort of um, well, essentially strongly queer horror film that hmm. it was it was really interesting to listen to it from his point of view and see that you know there was a hell of a lot in there to enjoy uh anyway matthew quickly yeah i mean mine's but, mostly the same I'm, I'm going for uh the the og the original first uh dream warriors uh second and then freddy revenge uh third and then th- this is where I differ because I'm putting this one next. So, uh, yeah, Freddy's dead sixth, and then uh, four and five as the uh, the bottoms. Oh. Hey, fair enough. Well, there you go then. So that was a that was a little that was a little list. Uh, that wasn't your last slice of bread though. That was just a cheeky extra. That was like a little slice of cheese that we've thrown in there for you. That was your, your gherkin in your McDonald's hamburger, wasn't Ooh, it? Oh, lovely. So you can either listen to that or give it to someone who else who wants to listen to it. Um, that's how gherkins work, I think. Absolutely. But maybe not lists. Anyway, before we get into the last slice of bread, don't forget that there is a little Patreon that you can go on to that uh, we get around to. We promise. Um, and there are t-shirts available if you want one. I'm wearing mine at the moment. Fancy Dan that I am. Um, 
And well, that's it really. We don't need to do any more selling of things. Um, so the last slice of bread is, the question would be is, if you had to book a seventh movie, or if you wanted to reboot it, you can do that. What would you do with the franchise? Um, and uh, one of you go first. Okay, I'll I'll jump in then, uh, because this is something that I have uh, I, I mentioned it when we spoke uh, about Freddy's Revenge. I think actually, mm-hmm. in that we we haven't had Freddy trick people so much. Uh, you know, in the you know, he plays the odd jape here and there. Of course, he does, but we we've not got. A full on, uh, you know, Freddy messing with people. So, why don't we take the horror out of the dreams and put it in the real world? Right. And, and, and so, sort of what I mean by that is obviously you need Freddy in the dreams because that's his whole thing. So, why doesn't Freddy conjure up dreams of people just doing doing normal stuff? You know, nothing that they are. That you know, nothing that they have to be frightened about, but by making them sleepwalk through the actions in the dream, commit something heinous and put fear into other people. You know, sort of the way that he uses Jesse as an avatar in uh in in Freddy's Revenge in the second one. Oh uh, yeah. Have him do that. So, you know, the 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 quote unquote victims of Freddy are unaware. They have no idea what, what's going on, you know, but the real victims are the ones that are being slaughtered because of his actions. And I mean, you know, it, it's, it's Freddy's died and come back before. So bringing him back is not a problem, but we need sort of a hook to get him uh, active again. And I think that's, that's the way that I would, I would want to see him do it. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, that's good stuff. Um, make that movie, okay. Um, <laughs> do you have one here that you want to do? Yeah, I mean, mine's slightly unoriginal, and you'll know this, Mark, from the, the Never Sleeps Again documentary. Um, uh, but the original, uh, or the first draft, uh, which was made by... Peter Jackson of uh, Lord of the Rings fame. Yeah. Uh, for uh, Freddy's Dead was that kind of similar in some ways to to what we got, but he's, you know, he doesn't have any victims. There's no children left. And he's, in Peter Jackson's version, he was a bit of a joke and people would put themselves to sleep to go and just sort of bully Freddy in the dream world. Um, which I thought was quite a fascinating concept, but not more so than the the sort of subplot to that idea that was there was a a policeman or a cop that was uh, in a coma, and so he was permanently in in sort of Freddy world as they describe it in the documentary, and I always thought that was quite fascinating that you know there are people who are in comas and or people that are 
uh, potentially permanently in that sort of dream state. Um, and I think that could be really interesting for a for a Nightmare on Elm Street film. Is these people who 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 can't help but be in in Freddy world. Yeah, yeah, that'd be a really interesting way to actually reboot reboot it if you wanted if you wanted to, and even just have that first movie being being him getting back to power. Um, yeah, which I mean, they kind of touch on in Freddy's Dead, and and it, it sort of comes up in Freddy versus Jason as well, which I know you're saying is a is a different canon, but yeah, but they never they never feel like Freddy has lost his power, even no. you know, even in the sixth one where he kind of sort of as he still seems to be in control of the dream world, whereas it would be more interesting to, um, yeah. That sort of thing. Whatever, whatever it would be, it would have to have Robert England. Right, right. Because as I'm sure you'll discuss this next year on your September sleepovers, but as good an, of an actor as Jackie Earl Haley is, he's not Freddy Krueger. No, no. I think um, he could have been. I really think he could have been. But what? Uh, anyway, we'll get there. We'll get there eventually. <laughs> Um, so one thing that I'd just like to sort of go off on, on that, we've we've not had a character in these films with narcolepsy, have we? No. No, it's true. So like, that's, again, you know, like like a coma thing, you know, someone who, who has no control over the sleep cycles would, would be another well, interesting I think little Some of the interest, and, and again, I'm not, not to jump too far into the future, but some of the interesting parts of the remake were the advances in in sort of sleep and dream science in in terms of like micro naps and things like that. So I think there's there's a lot that we've probably learnt about dreams and sleep since the original six that that could be really sort of interesting in in a modern uh, a modern nightmare film. Yeah, yeah. Because I know I after my son was born which was my second child um i've i experienced micro naps and they are pretty scary on their own never mind having freddie thrown into the mix yeah that sucks (laughs) (laughs) well my idea was to just bring jesse back really um (laughs) what if there's one thing I really like about in horror films sometimes is when um, a baddie as such can get their comeuppance, um, or at least if they face someone who is um, on their level. And I must admit, I haven't really thought the ins and outs of this, but if we brought back Jesse, and I would like to bring him back as a properly positive gay character, um but what I really want from him is is to have have not wasted his situation with Freddie, but gone on and you know, let's say that he's learned how to control the dream world himself or something along those lines, you know. And I know we've sort of had that in the Dream Warrior, but have him fulfil that properly, you know, like the Dream Warrior herself really wasn't up to much, really. Um, but what I would what I'd love to have in one of these movies is, you know, that sort of thing—a proper even fight. Um, 
between good and evil, not between evil and evil. Um, and I just, I just like to see that. And I think it, if I could, I'd set a good chunk of it in the dream world. You know, just have a fun out, out there, nightmarish, daydreamy, good fight. I want a good yeah. fight. Good fight. Good <laughs> night. Um. Yeah. Well, there you go then. That that that's a lovely, a lovely, delicious sandwich made again. Um. So the only thing we need to do is put in, I don't know where I've come up with this from, um, the delightful skewers of of Plug Your Podcast. So, Peter, if you'd like to plug your podcast. Yes, well, you, you can find me over at the Movie Jewel Podcast. Uh, so each episode of the Movie Jewel Podcast, we pick uh, a subject based around films. Uh, and then myself and one of my uh, uh, movie journalist co-hosts each pick a film that we think best fits that subject and uh, and sort of hash it out and uh, try and determine which one's the best. Yeah, it's an excellent podcast. I um, watched Clue, but finally, uh, um, <laughs> because of it. Um, and, I and I shall be getting around to some of your new ones as well, because... Um, I know you're going to be covering the cannibalistic humanoid underground dweller. Yes, oh. yes, that's that's out now. I released that today. Uh, oh, is it? Oh, mm. I must have missed that. Anyway, the old chud. Um, it's all up against the warriors, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. My choice of the warriors. Yeah, I can't imagine you're going to lose that one. <laughs> Absolutely not. No, <laughs> no. No, it's uh, it is so it's a really good podcast and a lot of uh, interesting topics that say so it's not just sort of film A versus film B, is it? It's sort of like here's a a very niche subject, go for it, you know. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, well, we have, we have we have a good mix of, of of some really sort of mainstream topics and some mainstream films, and then some some topics all. Or some subjects will, will kick out, you know, something quite mainstream against something quite niche. So there's always a bit of something for everyone, really. Yes, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful podcast. So yeah, um, thank go, you. Go check that out, psychopaths. Do the people who listen to us are they psychopaths? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'd prefer to think of them as creatives, uh, or creative psychopaths, or is that us? Who's to say? Let's finish this thing, because we've started rambling again. Um, or I have. Anyway, come on. Let's go. Bye. Bye. Well. <laughs>